And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, guys. Just like when TFC goes a man down and the pod reaches into the academy and pulls a homegrown player to make a senior team debut. Welcome to the Toronto Till I Die Weekly. Yes, I am your new host, Mike Newell. I'm honored to be joining the pod uh, on a full-time basis. Uh, But fear not, guys, unlike TFC, you know, uh, we're not going all academy kids in the eleven. Uh, the vets, Mike Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker are still in the saddle with me. Uh, gents, how are you doing on this absolutely stunning Monday afternoon in Ontario? Marquee signing, Mike. Marquee signing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, on, obviously, come, come for, for taking money. the time. Yeah, <laughs> DP money. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't know we could afford you for a little bit there, but I'm happy that <laughs> uh, you brought your asking price down a little bit and we were able to, to work something out, but... All jokes aside, man, so so delayed to have you join our show. I'm sure everyone who kind of listens to this show now also listens to the Tunnel Club, where you do a fantastic job with Sean. So I just, yeah, I, I'm happy, man. I'm happy to have you here. Guys, yeah. I just realized why I was only hearing a left channel out of both of you the at, when we were testing, and that was because my headphones are only hearing a left channel. So if you uh, give me one second to just reconnect. Actually, you know what? I'll just suffer through it. It doesn't make a difference. Oh, um man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because I don't want to, I don't want to get in the way of the celebration. I mean, we've had Mike as a guest host before, so he's obviously not doing this cold, and he absolutely smashed it when we had him there. So we're happy to have you, man, and and uh, you know, keeping keeping it in the family, uh, keeping it in 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 the fledgling uh, TFC to, or Toronto till I die network, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, looking at the comments here. This is the new DP. Axis of Evil. <laughs> I love saying that. I'm name on. Uh, I, you know, I gave these guys a deal. You know, I'm giving the Chiellini Tam deal. You know, yep, might, yep, might, yep. might uh, raise up uh, in the second year. We'll see. You know, we'll uh, there's sneaky stuff in the MLS contracts that always uh, pop up. Absolutely, absolutely. As long as you wear sleeves all the time, no sleeveless shirts. I am a happy pappy. So we can go from there. <laughs> hey man, I might go vest one uh, one day if it's hot enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, So, yeah. So, guys, obviously, uh, you know, excited to be on the show. Um, Of course, always follow us at Toronto Till I Die on Twitter. Um, Mike mentioned the the Tunnel Club. We're still going to be doing that, Sean and I. Um, So you can follow us at a TFC Tunnel Club uh, for post-game reaction shows, both the day of on away games and uh, the day after at home games. Um, But, boys, let's just jump right into it. I mean... We're, we've been off for a bit. It feels like we've been kind of in this weird quagmire of international football slash not playing international football. We will get to that maybe a little bit later. <laughs> um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the current state of TFC going into this weekend's matchup in Harrison, New Jersey against the Red Bulls. Uh, look, we're unbeaten in four, including a cup win. Yay. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you guys are feeling right now. I'm kind of getting this sense in, in hashtag TFC live land that people are kind of excited. They're not sure how to feel about this right now. Cause like it's a cup win, 
Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it, it's like four unbeaten, but really it's kind of just two in the league and two in the cup. So mm-hmm. um, how are you guys feeling? Should fans be excited about kind of how the team's playing over the last uh, couple of weeks? Mike? Two ugly, two ugly cup wins, to be yes. honest with you. Yeah. Like HFX and Forge, those are both games where I thought the Canadian Premier League side probably outplayed TFC. And all was said and done. Um, but with that being said, I think fans should be excited. I think there is a lot more to come for this team in terms mm-hmm. of, A, they're getting healthy again, which I think we often overlook. Like this team really got hit hard by the injury bug, by COVID bugs, whatever it was, just at the wrong time. It seemed mm-hmm. like everything kind of fell in at once. And sure, they were riding a four-game unbeaten run heading into the, the break here. But I feel like this break was sort of much needed to get some important pieces um, rest and recovery. Because, as I mentioned, yeah, they, they definitely, um, they're definitely faltering there. Yep. But there is reason for excitement because obviously Lorenzo Insigne's arrival is, what, now two and a half weeks away? And when you look at the playoff standings, you look at the table, TFC are three points out of a playoff spot. I'm sure they're third last, but I feel like TFC would have taken this at the start of the season, this positioning heading into sort of 100% Insigne's arrival. And now it's not only going to be Insigne, it's going to be Insigne plus three other players is what we're, we're hearing here. So there is reason there is reason for excitement. Summer's around the corner. I yeah, think Beemo yeah. Field crowds have been have been pretty lively. Yeah, like I true. think TFC have like the the seventh best attendance rating in, in all of MLS, despite this the struggles in the first half. I mean, you go to TFC games and you know how they announce the names before the game, where the commentator says the first name and then lets the crowd say the last name. Like nobody was able to say any names. <laughs> In the first half of this season, because they didn't know who the heck. Can I, can I have a, a quick story about that? So obviously, <laughs> for a lot of people know that I I'm in the South End, um, a part of Kings in the North, and the first game against oddly enough the Red Bulls, the home opener, like I was stumbling over names, right? Because you're so used to saying certain names as they come out, and you're like left back, and they're like Luca. Oh, right, it's Luca Petrasso. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah it, that guy. You almost yeah, have yeah. to like take out quick <laughs> stop and like, okay, who? Oh, right, Lucas Bagnon. All right, sweet, awesome. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and then by that time it's over. The buzz is done. <laughs> the buzz is done. <laughs> no, it's definitely taken a lot of people a couple reps. Like you obviously still hear the, the when Michael Bradley, like you hear Michael, and the whole right. stadium goes Bradley. Yeah, Ozo, same thing. Pozuelo gets that as well. But other than that, it's been all sort of new faces, kind of in the eleven. And I just thought that that's pretty funny. Whenever you go to games, it's kind of a little cringe to be honest with you. Um, that they still kind of do it despite you know no one really knowing the names. But I guess people. We'll learn. How are they going to get to know the names, Mike? It's a chicken or egg situation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, moving into the second half of the season, I think we'll start to see some more memorable names kind of come in and uh, we'll see, we'll see kind of how this goes, but there is reason for excitement. I do believe. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head in, in many respects. One, you know, the weather's getting nicer. So, uh, you know, everyone's excited to get back out there and see the team. And two, um, this is 
this is the TFC that we were promised in the off season, right? This is, this is the big signings arriving. We were kind of in like a sort of stopgap limbo for the, for the first uh, half of the season. And now it's time to see this team take shape. Uh, certainly, you know, positionally uh, things are going to get decided, right? Like every, every kid in the Academy did not want that left winger spot because they knew in two and a half weeks from now that someone else was coming to take it away from them. So uh, we're going to start seeing, I think a more defined shape uh, maybe uh, on the left side, more defined responsibilities in terms of starters and in terms of who's maybe coming in as an impact sub and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, yeah, there's, there's reason to be excited. I mean, as axis of evil, uh, says in the chat, you know, a win is a win, especially in cup games. And, and, you know, you say what you will about, about this being two years late, say what you will about it, not giving up a birth necessarily, I mean, not really having an impact in terms of births in the champions league and stuff like that. It's still the club turning a corner. And, and like Mike said, um, you know, they did have to fight back. They did have to claw their way into these games and it could have been much, much worse. We could have lost both of those games, and then we'd be sitting here today easily. lamenting the state of the club, Very you know, and and what shape they're in as as the big summer signings arrive. Um, but we're not, so you know, was it, we hey, are. But, but, what was Ali Curtis's like? One of his best lines: "It's a results-oriented league." Mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if you're if you're picking up the results, then we're going to be sitting here, maybe a little bit happier than if you're not. Yep. But that needle has shifted. You mentioned, as Axis of Evil said, a win's a win, especially in cup games. Bob Bradley was saying the same thing. I remember looking at last year, even. I remember looking at TFC going up against Canadian Premier League teams, and I'm like, this should be 4 or 5 yep. nil each time they play. And I don't know if that's a credit to where Canadian Premier League teams are going or more of a detriment to where... Toronto FC was at this point of the season. I think and, it can be both. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's both, yeah. right? Like I think you you do have this influx of players, especially on Forge, and you're looking at HFX Wanderers as well, who have played in the league for a couple of years now and have played yeah. together. So they've been able to grow their game and, and and they've had the same manager for since the beginning of the league. So in a lot of ways, they've grown into what they're, they expect from their managers, both from Stephen Hart and, and Bobby Smirniotis, obviously. Absolutely. Um, with TFC. Yeah. I mean, look, it, you know, I, I, most people also know I, I do work for Forge. So like, you know, talking to people at Forge, it's, it's kind of like, you know, that was the, that was the opportunity, right? That was the golden egg. You had a chance, a team that did not have a Lorenzo Insigne, struggling yep. to find its way under Bob Bradley, at least at the beginning half of the season, that was an opportunity to win a cup. Now, of course, you know, glorified friendly or whatever you want to call it. I don't really subscribe to that because no. a cup is a cup, a win's a win. And that you, you could see how TFC players were celebrating that cup. That wasn't oh, a yeah. meaningless cup the way that they celebrated that. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I think that was the opportunity for CPL teams, but at the same time, you know, you had a lot of young players in Hamilton in front of a big crowd, you know, be able to hang in uh, in a game yep. where they could have been down 3-1, right? Realistically, maybe even in the first half. Um, I know Absolutely. you guys talked about it last week, but, I, you know, I think that that is a that is a way to to sort of, I mean, if you want to go into it a little bit further, like we can, <laughs> but I mean, realistically, right? That, that team was outplayed vastly in the first half. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I set, think it's... Yeah, I think it's important second. to stay that that whereas TFC were coming in maybe looking for a morale boost, so was Forge. 
you know, their 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 standings in the CPL season are leaving a little bit to be desired. They're kind of getting uh, uh, seen out by some of the some of the newer newer fresher faces on on the block, like the Atletico the Atletico Ottawa's and and the rise of Pacific. So both teams are looking for that for that push in terms of, of morale, in terms of a cup win to put in the cabinet and maybe have a knock on effect on, on what goes, what goes later. And that, and that bows for Hall for HFX as well. I mean, they lost their starting number 10 relatively early in the season and they've been sort of floundering since then. So that would have been a morale boost for them. Um, like, like Mike Newell says, there's no such thing as, as a glorified friendly. This was important to everybody. And I much, you know, speaking from the position of, of, of TFC here, I would much rather be talking to you off the back of these two wins and off the back of two losses, because then people will be ringing alarm bells like nobody's business. Right. Right now, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw the news, but, you know, uh, NYC FC just lost their manager to, to Standard Liège. So, uh, you know, it's it's there's going to there's a lot of shaking up going on in MLS. Um, you know, it, this uh, this league that TFC plays in coming out of this pandemic has really gone in a lot of myriad different directions. Like they kind of had a roadmap before COVID hit where it was going to be about young money and, and all this other stuff. But now the realities of the, of the world global soccer marketplace, I noticed you tweeted about this this morning, Mike Newell. Um, the realities of the global soccer marketplace are different. Syria is almost bankrupt. So, you know, a lot of players from Syria are moving en masse to MLS and, and, and other leagues in, in so on and so forth, you know, non-traditional markets simply to get that bag. Um, and, you know, for all of its, for all of its strengths, MLS has never been able to look a gift horse in the mouth. So they see this, you know, they see this, this presumed opportunity over there and they're going to, they're going to go running, screaming for it. So, so the league is, is, is in flux almost as much as we are, you know, there's never a, a great time to do a rebuild to the level that TFC has done recently. But we might be getting pretty lucky right now, considering what's going on with the rest of around MLS. You know what I mean? At least in Wide terms open, of, of tining. Yeah, yeah. It is. Right? Exactly. We talked about the three point, the three point gap there, and just two more points I want to make on the, the Canadian Championship quickly. I think that's TFC's first trophy since 2018. It is. It is. It is. Right. Yeah. So that that's important. Like super important to, to get that because you're looking at a lot of. We're talking about young players. And I'm even talking about the Iowa Canolas, the Jaden Nelsons, the yeah, guys who've been here for a few years. This is their first trophy. Yeah. Yep. So they finally got to taste what it means. And sure, you can put an asterisk beside it a little bit, but they definitely celebrated it like it was a real trophy. So of got, course, yeah. it was important for them to to kind of get that over the mark, and important for the club to, to I guess get that over the mark. So yeah, like maybe this is the spark that this team needed after going through a little bit of a dull stretch and then you have the break here to kind of just hit the reset button a little bit. Now we're really on the edge of our seat waiting for Lorenzo and Sydney. So kind of wrap up, I guess the whole question overall, Mike, is mm -hmm. how could there not be a little bit of excitement right now? Yeah. When you've talked Fair. about Toronto FC. No, absolutely. And, and I think that just the idea of trying to figure out where all these new signings are going to fit into the 11 alone will be exciting enough. Uh, until then you actually see Lorenzo Insigne come on the pitch. We have a question about that a little later on in the show. So cool. I'm going to save the point uh, until a little bit later. I'll move on uh, here to sort of the second point I wanted to bring up in, in terms of this match. It, it is the endless debate um, about goalkeeping with this team. It's mm -hmm. been talked about to death on this show, on the Tunnel Club, on, on various shows. 
But going into this weekend, there is a question on who is going to start in goal between Quentin Westberg and Alex Bono. And, and you know, is this a, a situation where you just ride the hot hand, like kind of like hockey, right? You ride the hot hand until it's not hot and you can put Bono back in. Or is it a situation where, you know, you've given Alex Bono this many starts to start the season and you don't want him to just basically lose his job for essentially nothing. Like he hasn't really cost the team points this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for you gentlemen and for the audience, who's, who, who do you have in net, uh, this coming Saturday? It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. It's Quentin Westberg. Hmm. He's unbeaten in the last, he's three, not even unbeaten. He's won unbeaten in 2022. <laughs> he's, won, According like to that. he's won all, all three games that he's played so far. Don't change. I guess the hot hand, as you said, Mike, but another reason is because we know who they're playing. They're playing the Red Bulls. Yeah, Red Bulls are a team, as we all know. They press, 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 and one way to beat that press really easily is by Quentin Westbrook paying a diagonal ball over the top to his fullbacks, and it's just his precision with that I think is just so key. Especially we, if you guys don't know, Red Bulls concede possession every game that they play. Oh my like god! It, oh, yeah. It'll be you'll see TFC. You'll see TFC with over sixty percent possession. So just having that outlet when you're being pressured, just having Q back there as opposed to Bono, I think that makes the world of a difference against a team like this. Plus the fact that he's unbeaten in three, I think it's a no-brainer that Q goes back and goal. I, I agree with you. And and it's funny because in an ideal world, that's how I think you should choose who starts, right? You should It should be game plan, especially when, when you're in a position where you have two goalkeepers that have such pronounced differences in their in their ideal skill set and how they like to play um all other things being equal that to me seems the most logical methodology right who are we playing can we use a guy that has better distribution or a better shot stopper but of course you know this debate rages on because it's not all things being equal and and it isn't as simple as that and and you know anytime you're benching somebody that's that's making that much money uh, in a salary cap league, there's going to be questions, right? And 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 you know we we've talked about this until until it's it's blue in the face until until all three of us were blue in the face. So so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, 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 beat a dead horse, but I agree with Mike. I think I think it's Q's job to lose this weekend. Um, you know if you if I had answered first, I would have said, who cares? We're going to Harrison. It's the Red Bulls. We're probably going to lose anyway. So you know put put number three in there, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I'm prepared to 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 agree with the Westberg shouts. How about you, Mike Newell? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it does have to be Q. Uh, I think he's earned the right to keep the shirt. Um, for now, that said, I, I we have not seen the last of Alex Bono. He will play again. He will get a run of starts again. Um, I, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, Any more cup for- matches left? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Siri. I I think they will start him in league matches again. I I think they, there, they, they I, have I think I think to be perfectly honest, I think the club view him a lot differently than we view him. I think they really hmm. do view him as a number one goalkeeper. Um, but you know, from from that perspective, right now Q has done nothing to to say that he shouldn't get the start again on Saturday. So I do think it will be Q. But right. I do not be surprised if Al Bono gets back into goal this season. Nothing surprises uh, not me about dive, that situation. I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but I don't think the club views either of these guys as number one goalkeepers. And both of these guys, their contracts are up at the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, take that for what you will. I just, I, I 
can't see them bringing either of these guys back, especially at the price that Alex Bono makes. Character-wise, these guys are are the best people out there. Like, Mm -hmm. you want these types of people in your room, but at the end of the day, you got to consider the price tag and you got to consider the quality. I just, I I don't think they're, both of their long-term futures are going to be in Toronto. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We've talked the goalkeeping stuff to death. So I, you have to bring it up though. Cause it, yeah, of course we do. Um, But uh, next up is um, another uh, topic that seems to never go away is Alejandro Pozuelo. Uh, And more importantly, are are we starting to see the glimpses of MVP Alejandro Pozuelo starting to come back? Um, I know that. uh, Oh, thanks Rob. How you doing? Uh, um, You know, we're starting to see him play a lot better. I think at the beginning of the year, there was some concerns. We voiced it on the the tunnel club. I know you guys have voiced it as well in terms of how he was playing, but the last couple of games, he has definitely stepped up his game and looks fit. Like he looks like proper again. Um, So are we starting to see the return of MVP Pozuelo or is this maybe just the mirage? We've we've talked about this on our show before, and I I believe I've always been in the corner where I'm a pause fan, man. I think the guy is so much quality. Um, I think you can tell he's head over heels better than really anyone on the pitch, in my opinion, um, just based off some of his touches and his ability to keep ball in tight areas. TFC don't have a player like Pozuelo. They don't. The closest thing is is Jonathan Osorio, and I'll still say that pause is better than that Ozo at that part of the game specifically. And then when it comes to creating chances, there's no one better than pause on this team. There's not many players better in the league, and in my opinion, than Alejandro Pozuelo. Um, I thought this season overall, he's looked so much better than he did a year ago. Again, the bar was really low. Yeah, he set out. He set out to to you know really bounce back in 2022 in a in a contract year. And I think, in my opinion, he's first half of the season, when you consider who he's playing with, what he's being asked to do, I think he's done that. You see him trying to adapt his game a lot under Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley's been on him, asking him to contribute more off the ball defensively. The reason being is Bob Bradley doesn't like playing as a number 10, or playing with a number 10. And Pozuelo adamantly has always voiced his desire to play as a number 10. So that's honestly where the disconnect, I think, is for me, where Pazil is being asked to do a lot of different things, um, and he's being asked to change positions quite a bit. You look at even the Canadian Championship game, he was asked to drop back and play beside Michael Bradley as an eight. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen that yet out of Pazuelo in his whole tenure here. He's been asked to play on the right wing. So we can debate about whether or not he's a Bob Bradley type of player moving forward, but I think overall... I'm excited to see what he does in the second half of the season because he'll have more leeway and more people to play with um, up top to, to kind of help him out a bit. So, Jeff, I'm going to add something mm-hmm. before you just jump in because I'd love to get both your thoughts on this as well. Sure. You can go sure. first. Is is the positional side of things, because I've said that Pizuelo doesn't really, I, I'm not sure where he fits in a Bob Bradley system. I agree with you. Um, but is that a Pizuelo problem or is that a Bob Bradley issue? And, and Jeff, I'll let you go. I mean, we hired Bob Bradley and we gave him the keys to the car. So there's no question here. I mean, it is Pozuelo one of five players available in the in the in the whole of world football? Absolutely not. Do I disagree with anything that that Mike Singh is saying? Absolutely not. But we've made our deal with our sporting director Gaffer. We've got to give him the ability to play the side that he wants. 
And then that's compounded by the fact that you only get three DPs. And one of them is a guy that's not good for the system. So, you know, we the last time we, we did this, my, uh, Mike saying, I got to have nicknames for you guys because Mike, Mike is just getting, I mean, it's our, it's only been 23 minutes and I'm losing my mind. But, uh, uh, you know, this is make or break for pause, right? His, his one get out of jail free card is chemistry with Lorenzo and Signe, right? That'll paper over a lot of the other cracks because if the two, if the two of them form an instant chemistry, then it becomes a Bob issue because it's like, okay, in your ideal world, this is the system you wanted to play. Well, not, the world is an, an ideal place. And now we've got something that's clicking. So are you going to adapt to it? But if they don't, he's gone. I mean, we, you know, like why, why should, why should we expect our brand new coach sporting director to have to play square peg round hole? That's not fair. That's not fair to him. And it's not fair to the club. Um, he pauses had his chance. It's, you know, independent of Lorenzo Insigne and, and these new arrivals, it's not working out. He's all over the field. And when it does work out, it's because he's falling into, I don't want to say bad habits because it's goals or, or chance creation, but it's not the right habits for, for the, the game we want to play. Uh, and so, you know, unless we can't sign anybody else and it's, it's pause or, or, you know, Academy players or soccer bot S 5,000, which of course it isn't, then it's a, it's a done deal. It's a no brainer, right? Like you, th this whole bird in the hand worth two in the bush is not, it's not the system that we should be abiding by. Um, analogies. Love it. Bing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Got your first ahead, one. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like using the word problem there because mm -hmm. Yeah, that might be too strong a word. You're yeah, right. Might be yeah, right. that's fair. Yeah, because it's it's neither of their faults, in my opinion. Like if Bob Bradley's a new coach, and, and this is and Pause was here before him. Pause mm -hmm. had a fantastic, an MVP caliber season in 2020. He was great in 2019 in the playoff push. Um, sometimes that's just the way it is. It doesn't really work out between a, a player and and a manager. I don't think, and it's an interesting caveat because usually a head coach isn't the sporting director and head coach. Yep. Right. And that's like Very the added layer and dimension to all of this is like, if we're talking about Greg Vanny again and Ali Curtis, then we, there's that little bit of disconnect there, but Bob Bradley controls the roster with, of course, a little bit of help there from Bill Manning as well. Sure. Sure. So it's at the end of the day, it's going to be Bob Bradley's team and whether or not that includes Alejandro Pozuelo, that's hundred percent in his court, totally up to him. If it happens uh -huh. that, that Pozuelo and Lorenzo Insigne get chemistry. I mean, they're doing that in a Bob Bradley system yep. and the team winning. The only way that I can see them really keeping pause is if the team does get results and does turn a corner here, because at the end of the day, a team is more important than the performance yep. of an individual. But player, I wonder right? if the club becomes a little more gun shy about the idea of handing contracts to players in contract years, right? Like you, you kind of have the same thing with Josie kind of have the same yep. thing with Michael again, um and, and look I, I would argue I, i'd probably argue that the michael bradley one has worked out a little bit better than what happened with josie um sure. even though i'm a josie stan but still you know, <laughs> i wonder if the i wonder if the club sort of you're, you're, takes a little extra step before they i they would hope so like, you know even if they do get results right like even if if yeah. is able to get into the playoffs let's just say right um do you then still look at him like well Okay. He Here's another five-year deal. Yeah, it, exactly. Well, exactly. It, depending on what he asks for, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I think I think term is more important than actual money-wise, unless he's getting a uh, 
a non-DP contract. Other than that, sure. I, I think term two, three years is more important. But you mentioned the Josie deal. It's not like this team has hit it out of the park in their DP signings. Aside from, I'd say Pozuelo was a good DP signing. Aside mm-hmm. from that, no one else has really hit it out of the park yet, if you include that Josie Althor one as well. So the Josie extension, the Soteldo, Carlos mm-hmm. Salcedo, I don't think Piatti. any of them ha- have hit it out of the Piatti exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not like the grass is necessarily automatically going to be greener. We have to keep that in mind in terms of we know Paz is proven here. He's done it before. But again, again, you know, and, and I, I side with, with Mike Newell here. I, if because of recent history and recency bias, I would be really disappointed if we're still giving out these these grace contracts with, with so little afterthought. You know what I mean? And, and I would be okay with losing a player of the caliber of, of Alejandro Pozuelo if it means that my club is a bit more discerning and unwilling to give out those sort of, you know, legacy contracts to the to the like of which the so Josie was. Let me ask right? you, like, is there something that Paz can do that would earn him a new contract with TFC this year? In in a perfect world, be a number eight and and Bradley Bob Bradley loves him. In an imperfect world, which is the world that we live in, strike up uh, such chemistry with Lorenzo that he's undroppable. I, uh, for me, it would be partly that, but I think also, uh, I think there would have to be a willingness from him to be okay with switching roles, right? I, and, and he's shown that a little bit this year, but it, but mm-hmm. I, I think there has to be a willingness in his part to, you're not going to be able to float anywhere you want to go um, yeah. at times. And you're in, yes, we're going to probably maybe have to stick you out wide a little bit more sometimes. And yes, sometimes we're going to have to ask you to drop and defend a little bit more. But, it, but um, at that point, Mike, is he still Pozuelo, right? Like, are, are we, is it not a dis, couldn't he be a number 10 somewhere else and, and do what he, you know what I mean? Like, is it worth it to him to stay? But, how, right? but, can, but guys like him are hard to find, right? It was already hard enough to find him the first time, right? Like, right, right, but, but, you, but you're missing, but you're missing, is it, is it even Pozuelo if he's playing right wing or as a number eight, right? Like we found a great 10 for the system that we needed, but if we're playing him out of position, or playing him in a role that he's not comfortable with, and we're getting 60%, 70% of him, who's like who's winning in this equation? We're not. He's not. And money's that's, exchanging that's the other hands, thing, right? right? Like, it's just, a good it, point, to me, Jeff. at that point, you cut your losses, right? Yeah, this will be an interesting storyline to watch the rest of the season because, as you mentioned, Jeff, I'm with you there. He does have that wild card in his back pocket, and that's kind of what he looks like alongside Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, yeah. But I think right now, I think we all agree, he's kind of fighting a losing battle here um, because of the system that Bob Bradley plays. Agreed. Absolutely. 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 All right. Uh, sort of uh, one before I, I get into a lighthearted one here, but um, is this a match? So obviously we played the Red Bull before the home opener – did not go that well. No, uh, it kind of kind of safe to say it didn't quite go the way it was scripted. Yeah. Um, is this an opportunity to show for Bob Bradley to show that he's evolving his tactics in terms of you now he's coming back and playing Red Bull for a second time? We know what to expect. We know what Red Bull football is. Um, is this an opportunity for, to to sort of show some evolution in the way that he'll be uh, lining up against uh, Red Bull on Saturday? Hmm. I, That's a hell of a question. question. Yeah. And I actually don't think tactics were the issue last time. Okay. I think when you look at break down the game, it was just some of those individual moments that 
cost TFC. Um, one of them off the top of my head, that set piece, this swung mm-hmm. in. Yeah, what are you going to do there? Yeah. Right. Other one was, I think, man marking. I think Jaquil Marshall Rudy had a really tough game that game. Yeah, he had a man marking. Kamala bodied him. Yeah. Like Lewis, Lewis Morgan ended up having the hat trick. I know there was a, there was a little bit of a distance on Lewis Morgan, both of Lewis Morgan's first goals. Um, and that I think he got a little bit too much space. I don't think that's tactics. I think that a just little. comes down to individual <laughs> defending. And yeah, yeah. the last one was, if you guys remember, TFC had a corner, the ball gets knocked out and Jaquils goes in to kind of win a ball and gets muscled off the ball. And the guy goes in two on O on your goal. Yeah. And the same part of that is Jaden Nelson on that play kind of held up and didn't sprint back to me. That's not, it's not tactics or game plan. That just comes down to maybe the youth on the team at the time. Yep. So maybe I, th- I think it's, it's less so a, an opportunity for Bob Bradley to showcase more. So it is the players to showcase that they love it. Kind of learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, tactics and, and Red Bull, it's interesting because there's such, you know, in terms of how they play, it's so stringent. And and what is that if not tactics? But in terms of how do you play against them, <laughs> you know what I mean? I they think won't turn I the think ball over yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of like of trying to hold on possession and, and, and maybe hit them on the counter a few times and try not to get completely, you know, completely uh, uh, wrecked by the 65th minute of keeping up with that you know, insane, insane press. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with Mike, with Mike saying it, this is, this is about the kids showing where they, they stand now. And I, and I, and I think it, that they're, they're well aware of that, this opportunity to showcase just how far they've come since that home opener with respect to, you know, their, their own personal responsibilities, their own uh, inexperience versus, you know, it's hard one experience. Now it, it'll be a very interesting game to watch. Okay, perfect. Last uh, of this segment before we move on uh, to a new segment on the show that I'm really excited to try out here. Mm. But uh, just a, a quick one: Are we going to see a clean sheet this week? I think we should create like a, <laughs> like a little countdown, like weeks of safety on the job. Like I, I will do it. Week. I will absolutely yeah. make one. Will yeah, we? Yeah. So the question is for you, With, guys, Andy, no. will we see a clean sheet this week? No, sir. No, no, sir. No, no way. I can't say that we will. I but cannot. if they do. This would be the game that doesn't make any sense whatsoever for them to do it. So why not? Why yeah, not? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Either, you know what? Yeah, we're either going to throw it out there. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as optimistic. It will not be. <laughs> but uh, start the countdown clock. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's move it. Let's move on, guys. I've got three TFC hashtag TFC live burning questions of the week. And for the audience, I love. Uh, to make this a segment where we get you involved. Like you send sure. us some, some burning hot take questions. We'll ask them to the panel here. Um, you can DM them to uh, Toronto uh, till I die on Twitter, or you can DM them to me personally um, at football saves on Twitter. If you want to do that. Um, and during the week, we will get those questions up in a quick segment here. So I've created three. Um, let's go. I love all three of them. And let, let's see how we're doing. So the first one, um, which is going to be a burning hot one, I think. Um, obviously we mentioned at the top of the show, Lorenzo Insigne is only a couple of weeks away. Um, I think he's supposed to arrive in two weeks, I think like somewhere mm-hmm. on the 24th, 25th, maybe. Has anybody um, checked Zaza to see if he's here already? End <laughs> exactly. of June. Okay. Yeah. End probably end of June, um, around then. 
But uh, here's a question I have uh, for both the panel and for everybody out there in hashtag TFC Liveland. Is Lorenzo Insigne the right signing for TFC at this stage of the rebuild? And Mr. Oh, Nestor, I'm going to let go you go first. first. Let you go. Of course he is, because because he's, he was in a contract year with Napoli, right? And whoever was going to sign him next was signing him for a multi-year deal. So you either get him now or you get him, how old will he be in four years? 8,000. So yeah, no, it was now or never. For this, for this specific player, it was now or never. And, you know, your question is, very different than my answer because my your question is is it the right signing for TFC at this stage of its rebuild absolutely not but is he the right signing for right like was this the only time we we even had an outside chance of signing him 100% so the the disconnect there is going to be uh uh what we all work out as fans over the course of the next uh, half season i think it was but i'm going to say for a different reason than what yeah. jeff is saying Last year was arguably the worst year in Toronto FC's history. Not not arguably. It, it yeah, really it was. was. Yeah, it, it was, right? I got a sense there was definitely some apathy going around. You look at the crowds that were showing up at the stadium last year, it was embarrassing. Sure. sure. And I know TFC took that. They took that personally. And from a commercial perspective... I think this club needed to go out and swing big. 100%. Get fans excited again. Get fans back in the seats. So from a club franchise organization perspective, absolutely, it was it was the right time. It was needed. And I actually like the fact that he's coming in the summer because you get the first kind of half out of the way, which was really rough playing the kids as the rebuild kind of goes on. And he kind of joins halfway through the season here to kind of reignite a little bit of that spark as i mentioned off the top sure. of the show attended attendance numbers have been great in toronto and i think that's only going to get better with lorenzo insigne win or lose in my opinion so i think absolutely i think it just buys them more time uh mm-hmm. to rebuild so i think absolutely and as jeff said anytime you kind of go out there and get a player of insigne's quality those are moves that are going to be tough to pass up on especially on a free trade exactly and there, and there's, yeah, and there's really no perfect time for this. Do you know what I mean? In in the case of a player like Insigne, it's it, the market is driven by by him, not by our needs, right? And, and any team sort of has to take a back seat and 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 you know sort of fo- refocus their needs based upon the player's availability. So yeah, so. and I asked that question because I I kind of see this Toronto FC season somewhat similar similar to the twenty sort of fifteen season. Yeah where now obviously you had Jaminko at the beginning of the year, but the plan was to bring him in in the summer. Yes, it was. Um, then, he, then he bought his way out essentially to come early. But mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. Where right now, scoring goals is not a problem for Toronto FC, right? It's stopping well, goals. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, yeah. From, hey, the, hey, from hey, an expected yeah. goals perspective, yes. I, I yeah, yeah. That's aren't great either. Um, they've probably finished more chances um, than they probably but should. But expected goals best, didn't exist in 2015, league. so we're good. We're good. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> actually, the best... They're the best in the league at doing that in terms yes. of expected goals. They have more goals than what they're they're expecting. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So fair enough. Fair enough. I, I yeah, like those responses. Yeah. Okay. Uh second uh burning question here. Defensive issues. What or who specifically is the issue? And how would you go about potentially solving this? Mr. Sig, you go first. Um, I think it's a collective issue and more so based on the roster. Like there's so much you look at it's, it's going to be easy to point the finger at a guy like Carlos Salcedo, but you look at the 
the players that Full are playing backs. around him for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like Shane O'Neill was brought in here to be the third, fourth center back on this team. He's been thrown into a starting role. Lucas McNaughton in his first year in MLS. Caden Chung, Pacific FC player that comes over first year in MLS. Jaquil Marshruti adjusting to a new position. Jacob Schaffelberg adjusting to a new position. Luca Petrasso, first year in MLS. Mm-hmm. Chris Mavinga has been non-existent this year. Yeah. That's just the back line, right? So I think that's mm-hmm. for me, that's that's the that's the biggest issue right now with Toronto FC defensively is the fact they don't have enough MLS ready players at this specific moment. Yep. 100%. I can't, I can't add to that. It, it, it's, it's exactly, exactly what Mike, Mikey Singh just said. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a group situation. You can single out players, but that's doing that. That's doing, that's making it too easy. That's making it too binary. It really is a team problem. Yeah. And I, and I, I find the, criticism of Carlos Salcedo interesting because he, and it's and a lot of it's fair. It is fair. He is on DP mm. salary. So that does carry a different level of, you know, expectation fair yep. or not. Um, mm-hmm. because I think the DP label, I think is frankly ridiculous in a lot of cases. And, and it does put undue pressure on players that they just don't really need. But I also do think that from a center back perspective in terms of a player who once he can be surrounded by the right players and get consistency with a partner, I think he's actually going to be really, really good for us. And I think he's going to end up being once they buy him down as a DP, which they're going mm-hmm. to eventually buy him down as a DP. I not, maybe not this season, but eventually <laughs> at some point. Mike's shaking his head. No, not at all. Am I, am I completely we'll off? It, it'll yeah. be really challenging, but we'll see. Fair enough. Um, but even if they do keep him as a DP, um, I, I do think that eventually, once he gets a partner that he can be consistent beside, I actually think you can see a lot of the quality that he has, right? He he tackles actually really well, um, and, and he also distributes the ball really well, right? I think it's just he's still learning who he's playing with, right, and mm-hmm. how how players like to receive a ball. That takes a lot of time, as you guys mentioned. Sure, um, sure. At, sort of at the top of this. All right, third question. Uh, and this one, uh, Mr. S, you're going to love this one. Um, no, I already do. <laughs> was, quote unquote, trading Jefferson Soteldo for Carlos Salcedo worth it? Mr. Absolutely. Mr. first. Absolutely. Uh, get that guy as far away from our club as possible. <laughs> now, now, that being said, um, you know, what it, 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 has Salcedo been lights out? Absolutely not. Do, do I anticipate... Seeing Salcedo bought down, absolutely not. Do I anticipate seeing him here next year? Absolutely not. Um, you know, he, he it was an unfair, in a lot of ways, it's an unfair situation for Carlos Salcedo because coming in with that DP tag, like you said, brings a whole lot of expectation. Um, you know, again, in a lot of respects, a center back, that's why you hear the term bandied around so often center back pairing, right? You know, in, in, this is a position that quite often does require a lot of chemistry with your, with your, with your, uh, your other half on, on the right or the left-hand side. Um, and so, you know, considering the state of our other center backs and, and, and considering his DP tag, he, he, there was a lot stacked against him. The odds were very much stacked against him coming in. Um, but 
was it worth getting rid of uh, a Twinkle Toes mixed up over? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with Jeff. I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes off the field. I think on the field, I would rather... Um, I think I'd rather Soteldo on the pitch than Carlos God. Salcedo, personally. Um, but off the field, I think it's a no-brainer. They needed to get... They needed to move on from Soteldo. Yeah, yeah uh, look, I, I actually agree with you, Mike, in, in that regard. Um, because if you look at Soteldo's stats and his statistics, he actually did perform at a not quite a DP level, but close um, from the way that he was playing. Again, you're also on it. He was playing on a team that was, I mean, Patrick so maybe, Mullins, Dom Dwyer. Yeah. yeah. Total of zero goals. <laughs> no Mullins slander. Right. I, I mean, right, fine. Right. 2021 Mullins Land. Right. It's allowed, basically, but, it's basically yeah. him and Jacob Schaffelberg essentially last season. Right. So yeah. from, from that perspective, I, I get that. Um, but obviously the off field problems, no, from, from what we've all heard. And I think we're all starting to, to understand what it was. Um, no, you couldn't have kept him, but no. I mean, it would have, would have been interesting maybe. Um, <laughs> right. um, I right, boys. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go, go for it, Mike. Ciao. Thanks for joining buddy. We'll see you. Ciao buddy. Yeah. Um, all right, Mr. Nesker, you and me are closing this thing out. So let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. All right. So uh, in closing, let's uh, go through a couple of rapid fire things in the in the world of Canadian soccer. Uh, first, let's touch on the men's national team. Uh, a 4-0 win over Curacao on Thursday um, after not playing against Panama. We're not going to quite go into the whole, uh, you know, why they didn't play. I think that's been covered to death. I think you guys mm-hmm. now have a pretty good understanding out Absolutely. there in the KFC line why they didn't play. Um, but uh, they do go out and beat Curacao Nations League 4-0. I turned off the game at halftime because the thing was a foregone conclusion to me. Yeah. Uh, just the way that the game was going. Like, they were dominating the ball. And I, there was just no way for Curacao to get into this game. Um, there will be the questions around you know, was this worth it from a World Cup pre- preparation perspective? But I think any game is a, any is game a preparation, is. right? Any like game it, is, yeah. It's just, yes, it's not World Cup, world-class competition. No, of course not. You want to be playing those games. Yeah. But 4-0 win, still a 4-0 win. You get a Davies hat trick and his return to the national. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or a brace, not hat trick. Yeah, not not a hat trick. They, they subbed him out before he could get his hat trick. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I mean, you know, it's reps, right? But but I said this, I think I said this in response to one of your tweets, if, if memory serves. You know, I didn't turn it off at halftime because what was bothering me so much was just the lack of, of clinical finishing in the box, you know? Um, for the amount of chances, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of rust, but, but again, you know, there, there's only what one more, is this the last window before world cup or do we get, Uh, no, they get another one in September, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, rust is going to be par for the course, right? All teams are going to be rusty. If our, if our only this, this is going to be a very quick trip. I'm going to, I'm going to be as succinct as I possibly can. If we can't finish our chances, if we can't up the ratio of chance creation to finishing much higher than it, than it was on display in that admittedly 4-0 four, four victory, this is going to be a very short trip. We're not going to get those kind of opportunities against a team like Belgium, against the team, even Monaco, yeah, Croatia. You know, Our group uh, requires us to be a lot more clinical. And, and you know, like you were saying, you turned the game off at halftime because it was a foregone conclusion. I wanted to see our boys put put them to the sword. 
And it just, it seemed like um, there was a bit too much cuteness in the final third. There was a, a you know, players, it, it could all be rust. And, and certainly tonight I'll be watching to see if, if a lot of that rust dissipates. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because, you know, we, we know what this, we know what this Canadian men's national team is now. I think we've got a pretty good idea of, of what they are in terms of identity, in terms of, 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 of how they like to play in terms of their preferred style. And, and we, I want to see way, 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 a way higher ratio of finishing, you know, the the U S the U S put five on, on Granada. Right. So, you know, even, even in these, you know, Nations League games playing against CONCACAF minnows, which again is not ideal as, as World Cup preparation, uh, we're still getting, we're, we're, we're not at the top of the echelon in terms of, you know, dominating. Oh, I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, look, we put four against against them. And yeah, okay, fine. Curacao, this wasn't the best Curacao squad we probably could have faced, mm-hmm. but they created a lot of chances, right? They did. Sure. And you're right. They did not finish them all, right? Like they, they, they didn't, they had a hard time finishing. Um, you know, especially at the beginning of the game until they got the penalty. Uh, yep. And I felt after that, they kind of relaxed a little bit. Um, and, and look, when they went 2-0 up, um, they kind of took their foot off the pedal a little bit. Uh, yep. And and that's, yes, that might be a little bit concerning. Um, but again, I, I think that has more to do with the opponent and the fact that, you know, they just realized that these guys weren't going to hurt them no matter what they did, right? So it, it, it's, it's, it's that. And yes, you can maybe point to, you know, focus and sharpness, even when with a with a team that is not going to hurt you. But a four yeah. nil win against a minnow is expected, right? And they did what they sure. probably were supposed to do in that game, which sure. is go and back, right? And Absolutely. they gathered them from a possession perspective, a shots perspective, chances created perspective, and obviously sure. from a goals perspective. So I have no problem with that. I think if I do have one thing that comes out of it is just yes, I, I do think you just need to keep your foot on the gas yeah. for all yeah. ninety. Even if you're playing Curacao, they have no chance. So it's interesting to see, as you mentioned tonight, they are playing Honduras at San Pedro Sula, um, not the intimidating fortress as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not talking about it as this place where like, oh god, San Pedro Sula. Now because it's, like, it's oh, a San bad Pedro. habit, Mike. Right, like taking your foot off the gas. You know, it be- it can become muscle memory. So who's to say that, you know, they don't do it against Belgium because that's now muscle memory. You don't want to build these bad habits, right? Like always, you know, play to the whistle and, and you're, you know, if you're playing, if you're suiting up for your national team, there are no easy minutes, right? Let that, that's an opportunity to get another goal or, 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 you know, to test yourself in terms of this, 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 you know, training session thing, right? It's just, it's a matter of, it's a matter of not creating an environment where bad habits can be built. Well, I think, again, I would probably put that down to the fact that, look, if they had played Iran, let's just say it wasn't Mm -hmm. an issue. Um, Again, you can have your, uh, your point of view on whether or not that game is handled or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll avoid that entirely. But if, if, if the game did go ahead or it was another country that was also going to the world cup as well as preparation, I think Mm -hmm. the, the, the mental standard of the way that they would be playing is different, right? They would. I hope, I, I hope so. I hope but, so. because but I with mean, more and more reps against you know Concacafery, where you know the last fifteen minutes are 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 garbage time, it's you know you can say that it's not going to influence you and you're not going to build a bad habit, but then you're playing Monaco and the last fifteen minutes you take your foot off the gas and they put three past you because it's the World Cup finals, right? You just don't want to introduce 
you don't want to introduce the symposium for that to take place. And I, and I fear as a consequence of this sort of lax window and the opponents that we're playing and the way that they, that we've now sort of encapsulated them mentally, that we're, we're very much building these bad habits. And that is a concern of mine. Right? Well, uh, you know, we'll see again, again, against Honduras. I, I think they will be a little bit more up for this. They still I hope Honduras so. <laughs> as a challenge. You'll still see Honduras yep. as a challenge, right? At least they, yeah. they, they brushed them away in qualifying, but I, I still think they will see that as a challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and they'll uh, and they'll go in and do the thing in uh, San Pedro Sula. So we'll see how that goes tonight. Oh, do I um, keep saying Monaco over over? Oh, I, I was I'm be sorry. I was being I was going to be like, we got to play Monaco. That'd be <laughs> maybe we're getting out of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, nice. Graham. No, I absolutely yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, no, it, is sorry. Yeah. it is Morocco. Yeah. It is Morocco. Who did get pasted by the U.S. By the way, in there. Yeah, early, yeah. Pasted. Um, absolutely so, pasted. Absolutely yeah, pasted. Yeah. Um, okay, so quick shout outs uh, to TFC, the youth, the young players. We've been talking about them all season. Uh, so shout out to uh, the following players who've made the Canada U20 squad um, for Con- uh, for CONCACAF qualifying. Um, uh, Kobe Franklin's in there and Hugo Embong. Uh, oh, Preso, if you want to, because he is the brother of Ralph mm-hmm. Preso as well. Um, they've made the, the squad. Um, whereas Adam Perlman uh, and Adisa Di Rosario, yes, that and another Di Rosario, another Di Rosario, um, yeah, are they on the training squad? So congratulations to those young men. Uh, they will be heading off to uh, Concat qualifying. It's uh, a great lineup, and it and, is, if, you, and if you look at it, um, not a lot of unattached FC. A lot of a lot of academies bearing fruit. The Canadian Premier League bearing fruit. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Mauro Bello, who's, who's going to be coaching this, this team. Uh, I, you know, I hate the, I know people will, will chide me for it, but I thought he was great. He was a great fit at that impact. And, and I, and I've been following his career with interest, uh, as he's moved to, to international football. Uh, and it will be nice to see him given the full keys of the car. Cause I think he's a brilliant tactician. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome to see, uh, uh, the pathways forming. Uh, especially at the at the U twenty level, because you know, in the same way that I that I was just talking two or three minutes ago about forming bad habits for the men's senior team, this is a great habit for the for the program in itself. You know, having this this wider player pool to choose from, having having players committed to systems uh, that'll be that'll go right from U twenty all the way up to the senior team. You know, it it it, it all signs point to to some great years ahead for for the men's national team program uh and a, and a strong lineup like this with prospects like this coming from coast to coast to coast various different different professional entities is is just wonderful i mean it 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 is it is a it's a hell of a good thing for the sport it's exciting i mean it, you, yeah. you can't you can't say anything but it, it is exciting you know you got a lot of those young uh, u20 players that are also playing in europe playing their trade yeah um, at senior level in europe now they're exactly just, they're starting off their careers or they may be on reserve teams but you know it, it's it's important to have that mix um you have yep. guys playing in europe you have guys playing in the canadian premier league you have guys playing obviously in academies for mls teams and some are on um their their reserve squads in mls sure. pro Yep. So you're, what you're seeing right now is, is uh, again, like you said, sort of this idea that there's various pathways for these young players to fulfill their their talent, right? And yep. whether they get to Europe right away or whether they have to take a step or two to get there, 
um, this is a great springboard for them to do that. And, and especially now with the men team, the men's team now qualifying for the World Cup, I think it brings more scouts' eyes to the U20 One, level. I saying, was I was going to say that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know these these guys could get their Richie Larea move. You know, at twenty one, a lot yeah. sooner than Richie did, right? Exactly. And 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 you know, if if they end up in a position such as Richie finds himself, where you know it's not easy to crack that first team, they've got a lot more years to develop in in a training situation than than our man Richie does, right? So so yeah, all uh, it, it's all good, man. It's all good. You know, looking looking at that lineup filled me with an enormous sense of sense of happiness and excitement because it's nice to see all of these different entities kind of come together in this, in this new soup that is, you know, the Canadian international football scene. Absolutely. Right? And I'm a big, I'm yeah. a big uh, fan of Hugo Mbong too. I think he, he yeah. be the next one coming out of the Academy for TFC. So look, at absolutely. Him. If absolutely. you haven't seen uh, TFC two play yet, I think he just signed um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, for mm-hmm. the twos, mm-hmm. So he should be there on a regular basis. Which um, we can't go see yet. We can't. We can't. No, go it's, your it's, clients it's, to see yeah, them. Yet. Yeah, it's, it's really. Yeah. It's, I've got to get on the call about that because yeah. I actually really do want to see them this year. They're actually pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. And York Lions is a great stadium, yeah. and they yeah. won this past weekend too. They, uh, I think they beat Philadelphia. They beat the Union. I think it was Phil. Yeah, it was. Union. They beat the Union yeah, at home, yeah. so that was good. Yeah. Um, well, Jeff, this is kind of wrapping up the my maiden voyage on Toronto till I die. How do they do? Did I, did I mess up? Love it. I- a plus. A plus is across <laughs> the board. Absolutely, awesome. you got to you got you gave me plenty of opportunities to trash Jefferson Soteldo. So everything uh, yeah, everything is fantastic. I, was <laughs> I mean, Axis. Listen, you've got you've got Axis of Evil giving you glowing endorsement, and he doesn't like anything. So they actually, I just gendered Axis of Evil, and that was <laughs> that was unfortunate. So they they don't they they don't like anything. So so I think you're doing just great, my friend. Uh, beautiful. Thank um, you so much. That, is that the cue? For me to get that the, is the uh... cue. Other than to say this, we're <laughs> setting up a show next week. Obviously, we'll we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the result in Harrison, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's a win, a draw, or a loss. We'll see how mm-hmm. it goes. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to also the table for the Tunnel Club show. Um, interesting fact: I'll be in Halifax this weekend. Uh, oh, nice! To see, because I'm going to see Forge take on the Wanderers in CPL. Oh, Actually, nice! Both, nice. Both Sean nice. and I will be there. Uh, so okay. we'll find. So hopefully we'll find a pub to do. Uh, find a Donair pub. store. I want. Yeah, I want to hear. Don- we'll I do it at a Donair shop. Yeah, yeah we'll do a little, <laughs> you know, little fries in our mouth. Man, I'm so I'm so jealous. I I, I miss the TFC HFX. Uh, I'm gonna miss this Forge HFX maybe, maybe next year, but I gotta get out to that stadium. It man. is gotta, it, honestly, it is a yeah. it is like I, I you know I'm I'm one of those people who's like you know when when a place is good to go watch football, it's yeah. good to go watch football, and the Wanderers yeah. Grounds is a great place to go a little I mean, to watch football. It's fantastic. If they if they take away those shipping crate VIP places before I get a chance riot. to be there, I'm gonna be very riot. very upset. Absolutely I'm just riot. Me. I'll, I'll have to bring my own. I'll bring like a tent and make my own shipping <laughs> out, of, out of spite. Um, all right, QS, QS, and uh, and uh, we'll take all us right. out of here and, yeah. and so, keep people waiting for more next week. Yeah, absolutely. So follow at uh, Toronto till I die uh, for the next week for next week's show, and for the Tunnel Club follows at TFC Tunnel Club uh, for start time on Twitter Spaces. But other than that, for Michael Singh, for Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everybody. Thanks again. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.